You are listening to The Stender with Rabbi Michael Knopf, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Rabbi Knopf, please visit MikeKnopf.com. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit JcastNetwork.org. I like every year to spend a little bit of time reflecting on Dr. King and his legacy and what he has yet to teach us as Americans and as Jews and as co-religionists. But I want to get to him in kind of a circuitous way, starting in what might be a fairly unlikely place, Afghanistan. So some of you remember the story of a soldier in the American army named Bo Bergdahl who was held in captivity by the Taliban for five years. Now the circumstances surrounding his, uh, his capture by the Taliban are still a matter of significant debate and I'm not going to get into that uh, debate, not going to get into whether or not he is a victim or a traitor. Uh, None of that really is relevant to what I want to say about him right now. The only thing I want to say about Bo Bergdahl is that he is the subject of the second season of this extraordinary podcast called Serial. I don't know if you heard the first season of Serial, but if you hadn't, go and listen to the first season of this uh, really wonderful podcast called Serial. It tells one uh, true story uh, over the course of several weeks. I think it's like something like 15, 16 weeks. They tell a bit of the story each week. And so this season, they're talking about the story of Bo Bergdahl, trying to get to the heart of what actually happened to him. But they have him describing his experience on tape. And he says something about part of his experience in captivity with the Taliban that I found so poignant and so fascinating. So one of the ways, one of the methods that the Taliban used to torture him was that they would keep him in a dark room, a pitch black room, for days and weeks on end. And he said, a lot of people don't understand why that's torture because people will say to me, you know, that can't really be tortured. Like, did it, it didn't hurt you. And he said, well, that's not exactly true. I mean, physically, it actually did uh, produce pains. Maybe the pains were psychological, but it still manifested physically. But if you spend weeks on end in total and utter darkness, you start to wake up and not even know what you are anymore. You don't even know where you are or who you are or, like, the fact that you are a human being living in the world, you start to lose all sense, not only of your bearings, but sense of self. And so it's actually some of the deepest kind of psychological torture because you start to lose all awareness of who you are in the world. That piece of interview stuck with me as I was reading this week's Torah portion where Perhaps not coincidentally, the ninth of the ten plagues is the plague of Choshech, the plague of darkness. And the plague of darkness is a somewhat curious plague, especially in relationship to all the other plagues that befell Egypt, because all of the other plagues that befell Egypt were physically oppressive and destructive to the land of Egypt. And if you see the plagues as sort of increasing in severity 
over the course of, uh, of time until ultimately you get to the most severe plague, which is the death of the firstborn, then it's even more peculiar that darkness would be not only a plague at all, but the penultimate plague, the plague before the death of the firstborn, meaning to say what seems to be one of the most severe plagues that there could be. And it's curious why that is. Because all the other plagues are physically destructive, and this one doesn't seem to be. And I think that what's happening in the course of this plague is a projection, an external projection of a psychological reality that is already true within the heart of each and every Egyptian and relates back to the experience that Bo Bergdahl had in captivity with the Taliban of what darkness does to us, what darkness does to you. So let's look at that passage describing the plague of darkness. And if you want, you can follow along with me. I'm on uh, page, in, at least in the Eitz Chaim, I'm on page, uh, the bottom of page 376. Vayomer Adonai Moshe, this is verse 21 of chapter 10. Vayomer Adonai Moshe, God said to Moses, yadcha al hashamayim, choshech al eretz mitzrayim. God said to Moses, hold out your arm against the sky and there will be darkness over the land of Egypt. A darkness that can be touched. And so Moses held out his hand over the sky. And there was a thick darkness descended upon Egypt for three days. Lo ra'u ish et achiv, velo kamu ish mitachtav shloshet yamim. People could not see one another. And for three days, no one could get up from where he was. Ulechol b'nei Yisrael haya or b'moshvotam. But all the Israelites enjoyed light in their dwellings. So what's going on in, their pl- in this plague? The Orachaim, a 17th century commentator, suggests, as I mentioned before, that what's happening in this plague is a physical manifestation of what's already happened, what's already characteristic of the heart of the people of Egypt. When it says that a darkness befell Egypt such that nobody could see his or her brother or sister, it's reflecting a reality that already exists within the heart of each Egyptian. A self-imposed darkness that each Egyptian has and that they have to have if you live in a society that tolerates the kind of oppression and brutality that the Egyptian society tolerated against the Israelites and against so many others. A sense that the person standing in front of you is not your brother and not your sister. A lack of recognition of the common humanity present, the equality inherent in the person next to us, in the person standing opposite to us, 
in the person near us. So a darkness befell them wherein they could no longer recognize their brother or sister. And in truth, in Egyptian society, that was already the case. Egyptian society was one in which they would not recognize their brother or sister. Rashi says this. The great uh, 11th century com French commentator says about the verse that says, There was a thick darkness for three days. There was a thick darkness where a person could not recognize the brotherhood or the sisterhood of the other for three days. And another three days, Acherim, Choshech Muchpal Alzeh. And another three days, there was a darkness that compounded even on that. Shalokamu Ish Mitachtav. That a person was not able to get up from under himself. Yoshev Ein Yachol Amod, Veomed Ein Yachol Leshev. A person who was standing was not able to sit, and a person who was sitting was not able to stand. The plague of darkness manifested what was already going on in Egypt. A lack of recognition in the common humanity of the other. But after time of living in such a world, in such a society where we don't recognize the common humanity of others, we also lose our own abilities, our own capacities, our own sense of self. Who we are in the world fades away, ceases to exist when we can't recognize, when we can't stand opposite the, the, the person in front of us. At the very beginning of creation, God says, Lo tov adam levado. It's not good for the human being to be alone. Lo I will make for him or her, I'll make for him a helpmate opposite him. Because the recognition that God makes in the beginning of the creation of the world is that to be one requires the presence of an other. To be ourselves requires companionship, requires partnership, requires brotherhood and sisterhood. And when we no longer recognize the common humanity, the common brotherhood, the common sisterhood of the person opposite us, when we envelop ourselves in a darkness that ignores the needs of those standing near us, we ourselves cease to be. Darkness pervades not only in Egyptian society, but in our society as well. Sometimes that darkness is latent, and sometimes it's self-imposed, especially in times of fear and anxiety, where we don't know where so much change is happening in the world, or where there seems like so much threatening and so much violence that's going on both far away from us and near us. There's a sense that we have to impose on ourselves this very kind of darkness, a darkness of know-nothingism, a darkness where we enable ourselves to shut off all outside knowledge, all opinions and all voices of those who might disagree with us for fear that we might yield to some of their facts or some of their conclusions. 
a darkness that disables us from seeing the humanity of those we perceive as being other than us, that advances and deepens forms of oppression, that see ourselves as being exalted, whoever we are, in quotes, whoever we are sees ourselves as being exalted over other people's, that fails to see the common brotherhood, the common sisterhood of others who are different than us. It's a self-imposed darkness. And then ultimately, that darkness produces a darkness in which we no longer even recognize ourselves, where we're no longer recognizable to who we fundamentally are in the world, because who we fundamentally are in the world requires the presence and recognition of the common humanity, the common brotherhood and sisterhood of the other, and so we lose even that sense of self. Some of us are very willing to make that trade-off and to make that sacrifice, a sense of security, a sense of order, in exchange for the fundamental makeup of who we are, which is produced by closing ourselves off to other opinions and to other people. That's the darkness that befell Egypt. And it's the ninth of the ten plagues because the Torah is trying to tell us that the picture of a society in ruin the picture of a society that's doomed to fall, that's nearing collapse, is a society where that kind of darkness is what pervades. And then the Torah says something profound. In the midst of the darkness that's happening to the Egyptians, it says, Ulechol b'nei Yisrael hayaor b'moshvotam. And to all the Jewish people, and to all the children of Israel, there was light in their dwellings. Now that doesn't necessarily mean that there was one side of Egypt that was totally dark. That's where all the Egyptians were. And one side of Egypt that was totally light. That's where the Israelites were. In fact, some of the commentators say that the light that existed for the Israelites was subjective. There were Israelites that acted in exactly the same ways and thought of the world, thought of themselves in exactly the same ways as the Egyptians, and for them there was darkness too. But what's represented by B'nai Israel? what's represented by being a child of Israel, by being a Jewish person in the world, is the advancing of a light opposite the darkness that pervaded Egypt. A light that illuminates, that enables us to search for truth and not be afraid of the opinions and viewpoints and arguments and conversations of those with whom we disagree. That, that enables us to seek truth even with opinions and, and facts that make us uncomfortable. That might challenge where we are in our thinking and in our feeling that enables free thought and deep investigation into the realities of the world, a light that sees the common humanity of the other, that sees in the person who is different than us, our brother and our sister, despite the differences. That's the light of Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad, 
the watchword of the Jewish people that we recite several times a day, every day, before we go to bed at night. We say, Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. That's at the heart of what it means to be a Jew is the recognition that God is one. And if God is one, all are equal under God's oneness. The light represented by the Jewish people is a light counter to the darkness of Egypt. The darkness of Egypt fails to acknowledge the brotherhood and sisterhood of the person standing near us. The light of Israel is one that affirms, advances, and champions the sense that we are all of us brothers and sisters. And the light of Israel is one that can continue to shine where we recognize our own selves, see our place in the world, see our responsibility in the world, in light, in light of those others who are standing near us, who may be different than us, recognizing them not as threats, but as ways that we can understand better about ourselves and the world in which we live. And so what it says, that the Israelites had light in their dwellings. Their dwellings, the rabbis say, do not only refer to their own physical homes. Their dwellings, the rabbis say, also refer to the Egyptians' homes. Because they said what the Israelites did during the plague of darkness was that they went to the homes of the Egyptians, checking in on the Egyptians, making sure that nobody was suffering, that nobody was sick, that nobody was in pain, and if they were, tending to them and taking care of them. Recognizing in the face of even those who were their brutal oppressors and enemies, a common brotherhood, a common sisterhood, a common humanity. And so when the Torah says that there was light for the Israelites in all of their dwellings, that's not only the light that is represented by Israel, but the light that the Israelites sowed in Egypt during the course of this plague. And it's the responsibility today that all children of Israel have. As the Hasidic saying goes, the responsibility of the Jew is to be a lamplighter on the dark streets of the world. To advance an awareness in the world of our common humanity, our common brotherhood, our common sisterhood. To advance a sense that at the core of what it means to be human is to search for truth, even encountering those facts and opinions that make us uncomfortable. Because it's the only way to retain and uphold our own sense of who we are and what it means to be a human being in the world. There's a darkness that pervades even our world today and even our country today as it did ancient Egypt. And in that way, and in so many ways, even as we've made progress in advancing the vision of Dr. King, which is a vision echoed and embedded in the heart of our tradition to ensure that all peoples are afforded the fullness of their human dignity and the fullness of their brotherhood and sisterhood in each other. There's a creeping darkness in our world and in our country that seeks to set all that back 
and to halt its progress in the future. And comes our Torah portion to say, L'chol moshvotam haya or l'bnei Israel. The job of the Jew is to ensure that we continue to spread the light wherever we can. Shabbat Shalom.